Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. Wherever you're coming to us from, uh, and it could be anywhere around the world given the subject, uh, this is Chris Sheridan from The Sheridan Show on BasketballNews.com. I'm pleased to be joined by Joe Prunty, uh, a guy who's been a head coach in the NBA with the Milwaukee Bucks and whose resume is one of the longest you'll ever see. Uh, he came up under Greg Popovich as, a, as an assistant. Uh, there's about 1,900 of those guys around the NBA. Also worked for Dallas and Portland and Cleveland and Brooklyn. Uh, and then with the Phoenix Suns as, as an assistant. But most recently, he was in Puerto Rico uh, with, the, uh, with the Team USA qualifying team. This is qualifying for the 2022 World Cup. And the team went undefeated. And what was an interesting thing about this team, uh, Joe Prunty, is that you had uh, a lot of NBA veterans on this team. Um, the guy who stands out to me most is Joe Johnson. Uh, it was always said about Joe Johnson that he was one of the toughest defenders in the NBA. And uh, so my question to you is, uh, even at his kind of advanced age, can Joe Johnson help a, uh, an NBA team in the playoffs uh, simply because uh, defense is very hard to be played in the NBA right now, but this guy is still good at it at any level. He's kind of a, he was an earlier version of Patrick Beverly or, or Marcus Smart. I think Joe can definitely help a team. I, I was really impressed with the shape that he came in. Uh, not that I would anticipate Joe would ever be out of shape, uh, just remembering him from his playing days or when I was with him in Brooklyn. He has an incredible mind for the game. In a lot of ways, he see, you know, similar to point guards, you see things before, before they happen and being able to make plays. Uh, he has that ability. Uh, defensively, he knows the right spots to be in, so he's a very efficient defender in regards to being in the position that helps him make the defensive play, knows rotations, understands tendencies of opponents, can pick those up quickly. For example, in these windows, you don't really get a lot of uh, continuity necessarily with the teams that you are seeing. So the video clips that you might be getting of an opponent are not necessarily with Team Mexico or with the Bahamas. They are from their club team or somewhere else or maybe even a previous window. And he can look at those clips of guys, study them, no tendencies, and be a better defender just by that aspect of it alone. What I would say, though, is Joe brings everything to the table. He, he can score. He can pass. He can defend. All, all, you know, he rebounded very well for us, uh, averaged nine a game. Uh, again, it's it's a different game, but he was going after boards and helping us uh, in situations whether he played the four or the three. He also led the lead, the uh, team in assists with thirteen. Uh, the guys right behind him in rebounding uh, also have NBA experience: Brandon Bass and Dakota Mathias. I want to ask you about a, a bunch of guys with NBA experience, but let's start with those two and another guy, uh, Rashad James. Um, who uh, you were telling me prior to when we came on the air uh, might be a little bit of a diamond and rough. He was tied for second on the team in scoring at 12 and a half points per game. What can you tell us about Rashad, uh, Rashad James and whether he may be uh, a viable NBA candidate this season when teams start, um, you know, tinkering with their rosters to go into the playoffs? I certainly think he's somebody that teams should be taking a look at. He has 
been in several situations. He's been overseas. He's uh, been in summer leagues. He's, you know, and, and so anything in between that range, he did a really nice job for us has uh, sort of a bulldog mentality in terms of, in terms of he's always coming after you defensively or offensively, extremely athletic, uh, similar to Joe, uh, a quick study and understanding tendencies. For example, our second game against Mexico, uh, they had a very talented two guard that had uh, played very well the night before and had played very well against us in the previous window. We talked about certain tendencies. We talked about certain plays and Rashad was locked in right from the jump. Now he didn't start the game, but as soon as he came in, uh, he knew exactly where he needed to be and what he needed to do. And it just showed not only his uh, level of attention to detail for the film study prior, but also while he was sitting on the bench watching the game, he really picked up on the tendencies that he needed to, to get the individual stop as well as the team stop. So he played very well for us, shot the ball well, uh, in particular in that game against Mexico, uh, did a lot of really good things that, you know, definitely could help teams. And uh, what about the, uh, Isaiah Thomas, uh, a guy who had a, a, a pretty strong start to his NBA career uh, and, and then kind of fell off the map a little bit. He, he, you know, he bounced around from this place to that place, but he shot 50% uh, on three pointers for you. He was your leading scorer at 14 points uh, per game. The, uh, the one stat that I see that, uh, that doesn't look so great is his assist to turnover ratio was poor. He averaged two assists, uh, but he also had seven turnovers over the course of the tournament. And um, certainly in, in the playoffs, teams don't need, players who are prone to turning over the ball. So does that help him hurt him? Or was that just a product of the way those games were played in San Juan? Well, I think there's a couple of things to look at. Number one, the statistics that you're going to have in these games are a little, can be a little bit misleading because uh, the 40 minute game, uh, the pace at which the game is played. And what I mean by that is the NBA game, the pace, depending on how you define it, uh, meaning it could be defined based on shots, you know, throughout the game, the way they evaluate that there's a statistical analysis that I don't need to go into. Uh, but also, you know, how quick guys are moving in the half court, the ball movement and things like that. When I'm referring to pace here is that the, the game really doesn't have a stopping point per se, meaning in the NBA game, you're going to have a timeout uh, at certain times in each quarter, unless the team takes it. Uh, you could go an entire quarter in the international game without a timeout. And that the 10 minute quarter ends up taking you 12 minutes because of the flow of the game. Uh, so that having been said, uh, statistically, I think with Isaiah, he did have a few turnovers, but the ball was in his hands a lot. And we were asking him to do quite a bit. Uh, I, the things that I really looked at in evaluating him was how well he was moving. So I love that he shot the ball well, uh, particularly from three. I love that he scored 14 points a game. But I was really looking at and evaluating uh, how did he move? What type of conditioning was he in? Uh, how did he fight through screens or defensive situations? And the beauty of it for me was that he was put in a lot of defensive situations. Uh, he obviously had to guard the ball in pick and rolls. Uh, in the Bahamas game, they used uh, – 
they put him in screening situations where his man was setting screens and he did a very good job, uh, whether it was off a switch or showing, um, which, and that was a read or an adjustment that we kind of had talked about. Uh, he was in the post a few times, used his savvy down there. So, uh, what I was impressed with was how well he moved on the floor. Uh, I thought his leadership was outstanding, uh, similar to Joe, but the thing uh, within that leadership that stands out is we started out our first game on an 11-2 run and he had made three threes just and that was in a two-minute span so it set a great tone for us to begin the window in the fourth quarter of the game against Mexico we had had a lead uh, anywhere from 20 to 30 points let's say and Isaiah was quick to say I'm good coach. Let these other guys play. Let them get out there, get the experience of being with team USA in terms of getting them more minutes, uh, that stuff to sacrifice and the selflessness that he showed was like a leadership thing that obviously you were anticipating, but when you see it and he's doing it on his own, where he's just telling you these things, that stuff is huge. Uh, not only from, a coach on that team, but any team. Yeah, a couple stats really stick out to me on the, on the CUBE stats from the tournament. Um, Isaiah Thomas shot 50% on threes. James Nunnally and Rashad James both shot uh, over 60% on threes. And then Brandon Bass took 13 shots over the course of the tournament and uh, and and uh, made 11 of them. He, uh, he shot 84%. Um, so again, it turns back to the question of could Brandon Bass be a player that could come in and help a team like say Brooklyn, that's really hurting for a backup big man, uh, but behind uh, DeAndre Jordan. You know, it's hard to speak specifically to each team, but I think Brandon certainly can help a team. His ability in what was interesting to me was in the first game, we gave up a fair amount of offensive rebounds. Our, our defense was outstanding. Uh, during this window. I, I was really proud of the way we guarded, uh, held our opponents to 24% from the three, uh, 36% from the field. And that is a tribute to all the guys on the team making the effort to defend, you know. So if you're looking at the starters, you know, from Isaiah to Josh Boone, uh, with all the roles they had to play, or even in the second game, Brandon Bass started. But my thing about Brandon was in the first game I was on him not on him but saying we need to rebound the ball and it's got to start with you and so you got to help out you got to uh, keep your guy off the board but understand your man's going to shoot threes and it's going to be long rebounds that you may have to run down so after the game he had 10 rebounds and of course as a coach because this is how we are you're always thinking you know you needed more you needed more but he rebounded the ball extremely well. Uh, whether he had a bigger player is the guys that were the centers from Mexico or more of a perimeter-oriented big uh, in the Bahamas. He rebounded the ball very well. Defensively, he was very good in his assignments. He's also a guy that can switch if need be. Uh, he has great footwork. He came in in great shape. He looked really good. Uh, obviously, you mentioned how well he shot the ball, but uh, I think he did so many things besides, even though he was 11 for 13 and that's amazing uh, and efficient, you know, extremely efficient. I also think there were so many other things that he did that 
like the rebounding that shows up in the stat sheet, but just matchups where he could switch and guard that isn't going to show up in the stat sheet. He's Joe Prunty, uh, just coming off the uh, being the head coach of the FIBA Americas qualifying team that uh, the one unbeaten in Puerto Rico. Uh, Joe Prunty coached thirty seven games with the with the Milwaukee Bucks as the interim coach. He also won three titles with the with the San Antonio Spurs as an assistant under Pop. And we all know that their Popovich assistants were scattered throughout the league. Um, but uh, Joe, I'm going to I'm going to surprise you with this uh, question. Uh, you you went to college um, in in California uh, in Southern Cal, um, but before becoming a professional basketball coach, you sold beer for Anheuser Busch. Uh, and you know, we all have the jobs that we used to do. I drove a taxi when I was a college student at Marquette. That's not on my resume, but I was, I'm kind of proud of that job. What's it like selling beer in San Diego? I, I imagine the Tijuana market kind of hurts you. No, you know what? It, I really enjoyed my experience doing it. You know, what happened was I got out of college and I needed to get it. I needed money. I needed to get a job. And uh, I looked in several different places. I had interest in coaching, but I, I, I needed to earn some money to, you know, pay bills, so to speak. Um, you know, not, not that I was in too bad a shape, but I obviously had to get a job. And so what I did was I applied at several different places and without getting into all the crazy stories that I went through driving around and, uh, talking to people, uh, you know, that was one where uh, a friend of a friend type thing helped me out, helped me get into the business. Uh, I started there uh, about a month after moving down to San Diego. And I'll tell you what, that month seemed like an eternity when you don't have a job and you got to pay rent and you've got to do other things and pay your bills. Uh, I understand that part. And so uh, I got very fortunate to get there, but it also allowed me to um, being in that industry helped me time wise to be able to start coaching. And so a couple of years into it, I volunteered my time and was able to do both. And so I got very fortunate that that job helped me in a lot of ways, not only with uh, the income that I was able to earn during that time, but the friends and the people that I met and the professionalism that you had to carry with a, with a job like that. Yeah, when you get out of <clears throat> when you get out of college there's a lot of pressure on uh, on students to know what they want to do. But unless you're like pre-med or pre-law <clears throat> or you're going to be an engineering student, I uh, I have a I have a college senior and I tell him just get the degree. Something will come along your way and then you don't have to decide what it is now, but uh get your college degree. Let's get you some, making some real money. And one day something's just going to come along and, uh, and it'll be the right thing at the right time. And uh, I, I think there's too much pressure on young people in our country to, to decide their career before they're uh, really emotionally or, or uh, just old enough to, to make that decision. But as, as your profession moves along in your twenties, you sort of find your spot and then, uh, you get good at it over the course of your 20s and 30s. And when you get into your 40s, those are your earning years. And um, uh, Joe, bringing us back to you, uh, so many assistant jobs, but such a short stint, 37 games as an interim coach of the Milwaukee Bucks. Um, how hard is it for you to try to get back in as a head coach? Um, there's about 50 of you around the NBA 
all looking to get back into a coaching, uh, head coaching position, but there's just not a lot of those jobs open. Sure. It's, it's definitely difficult. And that's why uh, you respect the position and you appreciate it, but I'm looking forward to an opportunity to get back in and uh, you know, that'd be great as in that under those circumstances, but obviously as an assistant, I look forward to that as well. Uh, that was the nice thing about uh, doing this team USA was being an assistant with coach Fratello uh, and, you know, working with him, uh, learning from him, uh, working with coach Othella Harrington uh, and same thing, learning and listening and, you know, hearing different stories and, getting better as a coach that regard, and then becoming the head coach in this window. Uh, Sean Ford is absolutely amazing with how he puts these team together and, and the entire staff and all of USA basketball. Uh, incredible with uh, the way they do things and how they handle certain situations, um, you know, as professionally as they do, so to speak. But, yeah. For those who don't know Sean, he is the logistical expert for uh USA basketball. He attends the meetings all around the world. Um, when there's a, uh, a roster, uh, delivery meeting at an Olympics or at a world cup, he's the guy who comes in and says, here's our 12 man roster and Sean and Jim Tooley and Craig Miller and some of the other pros at USA basketball have been doing this for 30 years. And they are as good as anybody in the, in the basketball business, uh, at being great at what they do. And, you know, a tribute to USA Basketball. They they had a 12-year run of uh, playing unbeaten basketball. That came to an end in China at the World Cup. And we've had Jerry Colangelo on the show talking about some of the problems uh, getting ready for uh, an Olympics that may or may not happen and where he may have to throw a roster together on literally on the last day. So um, international basketball is going to be uh, very, very exciting this summer because it looks like the Olympics are coming off and there's still four teams that have to qualify. Um, and uh, there's going to be a particularly good tournament uh, in Canada where the Canadian national team, the Greek national team uh, are, are both in it. Um, and, and that's going to be a war. So international basketball will be on the radar this summer. Uh, but until then, we have to get through the NBA uh, finals. And we saw the Utah Jazz uh, take apart the, the LA Lakers last night, and they're just hitting a barrage of threes, Joe. Um, is this team a, a legit uh, threat to come out of the West? And if so, how strongly would you want to say that? Yes, they are. And I think you want to give them their just due. But that having been said, you know that when the playoffs come, uh, the Lakers will be stronger. Um, Clippers will be uh, a team, obviously, that you have to consider there. Uh, Denver probably hasn't played at the pace that or at the rate they'd like to, uh, but they're still talented and still more than dangerous. Uh, Utah knows that, obviously. And I wouldn't discount, uh, you know, your Port, uh, Portland and Phoenix teams as well. Uh, both extremely talented and if, if healthy, uh, can be very dangerous in a series. So Utah deserves everything that they've earned this year. Uh, everybody wants to talk about the threes and rightfully so. Uh, but I don't think you can diminish the amount of players that they have on their team that are making plays for one another and what Rudy Gobert is doing defensively. Well, Joe Prunny, I want to thank you for being on the show. Um, 
One more note about you. Uh, you also coached the Great Britain national team following Chris Finch's resignation. And Chris Finch just came off the Toronto bench and is now the head coach in, in Minnesota with one of the toughest coaching tasks out there in the NBA. But you, you do get thrown into the fire uh, in the NBA and it happened to you in Milwaukee and you got to kind of play the hand that you're dealt. Uh, and you do however well you do, and then you go on to the next uh, the next stop. But it certainly leads to a vagabond lifestyle, huh? Uh, it can, yes. And you, you need to you need to make sure that uh, you you have a solid foundation upon which you're built to to handle all the ups and downs that come with it. And your family needs to be uh, understanding of it. And I'm very blessed uh, to have an amazing family that does uh, <laughs> deal with me. I guess if that's a, a way to phrase it. <laughs> well, it's it's never easy living with a guy whose uh, whose life revolves around basketball game. I think anybody who works in this business, their spouses would tell you that. So, again, Joe Prunty, uh, thanks for coming on and joining us from Arizona. Congratulations for the success in uh, in San Juan. Uh, I'm Chris Sheridan. You can follow me on Twitter at Sheridan Hoops. This podcast is for basketballnews.com. Check us out. Uh, we got quite an array of, uh, of guys doing podcasts, including a bunch of NBA players, including a Tom Thomas, one of the most brilliant guys you'll ever speak to, James Posey, who's a lot of fun to listen to on the air, um, and a number of other uh, people on our staff. We're putting out uh, just a heck of a lot of content, whether it's in the written or the podcast form. And we'll be coming at you with uh, Instagram live videos and watch parties and a bunch of other things as uh, as our site develops. We're about six months old uh, and, and we're going to be kicking it uh, over the next few years. And Basketball News is going to become a new destination website. So please keep an eye on us. And Joe, again, thanks for coming on the show. I want to also thank Brian Fritz for producing. And until next time, folks, that's an over and out.